All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is James Wilson with MTB Training Systems and BikeJames.com. And today we're going to play a little bro science. And that's what I call it when I come across a study that I uh, draw some conclusions from. Again, these are, you know, my conclusions from the study and how they can apply to us as mountain bikers. So that's why I jokingly call it bro science. But one of the things I like to do is just uh, go to Google Scholar and type in some keywords around training and, and see what studies pop up and see what the science tells us about uh, some of this stuff, because it's great to have a feeling about things. But when you can look at some actual hard data and see what is happening and then, you know, that helps us make better uh, decisions and, and come up with ideas. And so the study that I'd come across looked at the difference in performance with runners. Now, right off the bat, I know that this isn't mountain bikers, but there's a lot of carryover between uh, the, the cardio performance and, and things that go into helping runners perform well and also helping cyclists perform well. Again, the, the methods, the specific methods may be a little different, but the principles are going to be the same. And so what this study was looking at is runners who predominantly used nasal breathing, actually exclusively used nasal breathing and wanted to look at, well, what is the difference in their performance when they switch to mouth breathing? Are they actually restricting themselves by not using mouth breathing? And so uh, based on a previous study that had found that nasal breathing restricts peak intensity levels and you're not able to sustain high intensity levels with nasal breathing, Based on this, people had drawn the conclusion that, you know, there were limits to what you could do with nasal breathing. And so therefore, it, it wasn't practical to try to rely on it most of the time or all of the time. And so or, you know, some people took it to mean that, like, don't even worry about it at all. Right. So uh, but that study did not use uh, runners who had been training with nose breathing before uh, doing that study. And so what this study wanted to do was take a look at is there a difference in those results if someone has trained and adapted to no nose breathing? Is there a training and adaptation period that once you get past that, you actually start to see uh, results and benefits uh, from nasal breathing compared to mouth breathing? So, <clears throat> excuse me, what they did is they found a group of male and female runners. You know, I think it was uh, five of each uh, gender there. And so, uh, you know, 10 runners total, again, the sample size isn't huge, but again, there's some things we can take from uh, the, the, the um, results here. And so they wanted to find people who had been using exclusively nose breathing for at least six months. So they'd given their body at least six months to adapt to nose breathing before they started studying them. So in the study, they looked at their VO2 max. Uh, they used a graded exercise test to, you know, see what their peak intensity level was with that graded exercise test. Then they were also looking at markers of their physiological economy, right? So how efficiently are they producing the energy and speeds that they're producing, <clears throat> excuse me, physiologically. And so the, uh, um, so what, what this had them do was they did a, a maximal graded exercise test, and then they had a steady state test at 85% of that top intensity level. And so they wanted to look at both like how high, how hard can you push and then how well are you able to maintain a steady state at 85% of that highest level? And they had them test with both mouth breathing and nose breathing to see, if, you know, was there a difference there? And so what they found was that during the graded exercise test, that there was no difference in performance. They were able to push just as hard with mouth breathing and nose breathing. 
and their VO2 max and peak lactate, basically how much lactate, like how high they're able to ramp up that anaerobic energy system. Both of those were the same. There was no difference between that. So right there, you know, starting to show that like you can actually, uh, you know, produce high levels of intensity using nose breathing. So even though the nose breathing wasn't better, there wasn't a decrease in performance when using nose breathing uh, versus mouth breathing with those markers. But what they did find was that uh, it's, I'll, I'll tell you the definition here. It's called the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they had a lower mean ventilatory equivalent for both oxygen and carbon dioxide. Now, what the hell does that mean, right? I had to look this up myself. And so what this is, uh, the, the mean ventilatory equivalent represents the amount of ventilation required for, if we're looking at oxygen, for the consumption of each liter of oxygen. And if we're looking at carbon dioxide, then, then the exhalation of a liter of carbon dioxide, like how much um, you know ventilation is required to do that. And so it's measured as a ratio of the volume of gas expired per minute to the volume of oxygen being consumed per minute. And so basically like how efficiently are you breathing to produce these levels of performance, right? So if you're uh, have a lower mean ventilatory equivalent, it means that you are have a lower ventilation rate. You are actually breathing less to consume the same amount of uh, oxygen and exhale the same amount of carbon dioxide. And this is much more physiological or physiologically efficient, right? And so they found that uh, the, the when nose breathing, this group showed that they had a lower here. So basically they were more physiologically uh, efficient with that. And so they could produce the same level of VO2 max and performance and stuff with mouth breathing as they could with nose breathing. But when they were nose breathing, they were actually producing that same level of performance, but at a much more efficient rate from a, from a ventilatory uh, you know, standpoint. And so during the steady state trial, they showed a better physiological economy. And again, that lower mean ventilatory equivalent for both oxygen and carbon dioxide. So the conclusion that they came to was that it is possible to use nose breathing at all levels of running intensity and without a loss of performance, but actually you can gain an improved economy of how you're producing that energy. But it, it takes a period of adaptation and training to do that. And another word that they used in their conclusion that I found interesting was that this was a way to improve your health, right? And so if you are physiologically more efficient, that is placing less wear and tear on you. Uh, and so it is a healthier way to produce that energy. And so again, that was one of the conclusions and, and the words that they use was that nose breathing would be a way to maintain performance while actually improving your health uh, in the process. And so, but again, it takes this training and adaptation period. So again, while I, there are obvious differences between running and mountain biking, like I said, I think there's some takeaways that we can, uh, you know, glean from this study that we can use with our training, right? So one, you just need to know that nasal breathing, using your nose to breathe is going to take a period of adaptation. And there's likely to be a dip in performance as you do this. I talk about this with a lot of things that when you switch to something that is potentially better, that there is a potential dip in performance that you're going to go through because you're learning how to use this new thing. But if you can go through that dip, you're going to come out the other side and you're actually going to be better than you were before you started doing that. But this can be tough for some people psychologically because you do see that dip in performance. So if you are, 
you know, if you are your Strava time and you switch to nose breathing and you see your Strava times dropping off, like that may be tough for you to, uh, to deal with. And, and so, and then you quit and you say, oh, this sucks. I don't like this. And so I'm just going to go back to mouth breathing or, or doing whatever, which is fine. But if you're looking to, you know, again, especially if you want to do this for a lifetime, you need to figure out how to produce as little wear and tear on your body and your, you know, your, your physiology while you're doing it. And so nose breathing has some benefits uh, for you there. And so it's worth going through that process. Um, and again, it does, uh, you know, or because of this, the off season is a great time to make the switch, right? We're, we're coming up on the off season here soon if you're not already there. And so this is a great time to use training, off season training to make that switch to nose breathing. It can, you know, again, it can suck, especially if you're a competitor, like if you're, you know, in the middle of your competitive season, I don't know that I would, I would recommend that you try to switch to nose breathing in the middle of your competitive season. Like you're because of that dip and because you, you do rely on your performance, I, that's not the best time to make a change like that. If you're just a recreational rider and you're looking to just maximize your health and you learn about this and you're like, Hey, I want to maximize my health. So I'm going to make that switch. You know, anytime's a great time to do that, but the off season is definitely the best time, especially if you are a, uh, a competitive rider. And so to do this very simple, right? A couple things. One, use nasal breathing as much as possible during your cardio workouts. Like this is such a low hanging fruit for us that I don't think that enough riders take advantage of that. But outside of your highest intensity levels, you should be relying on nose breathing either exclusively at the lower intensities or using, you know, breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth at more moderate intensities and only using like full on mouth mouth breathing at the highest intensity levels. And that's if you're trying to, again, you can train yourself to perform at those higher intensity levels with nose breathing. Like that's kind of the, the idea, but you know, in general, even without trying to train yourself to use nose breathing as much as possible, you should still learn how to use it appropriately because it can, you know, help you on the trail, uh, if you know how to use it right. And so, um, and so one of the other things you can do is use nose breathing during running. And again, during the off season, running is a great, cross training tool. It can be very hard to have an easy ride, right? Like the trail, depending upon where you live, you may not have like truly easy rides around you. And so to go on like kind of a recovery cardio type workout, you may have to do something else. You may have to take your mountain bike on the road or you may, uh, you know, try running, but in either one of these conditions, if you're, if you're going on an easy ride like that, then you should be relying on nose breathing exclusively. And, and running is a great way to uh, introduce these easier effort levels and also uh, introduce nose breathing into your into your training. And so uh, running is a great way to do that. Give this like a solid four to six weeks before you draw any hard conclusions, right? Like after a week or two, you're not going to be significantly better at nose breathing. It's going to take the body a little while to adapt to this, but it will adapt to it. So give it four to six weeks before you start drawing any hard conclusions. You know, when you're on the trail, nose breathing can be, you know, it can be difficult, right? Like the trail is, you know, a hard climb, you know, there's just, there's just uh, areas where I still use mouth breathing, right? I try to use nose breathing as much as possible, but I'm not going to pretend that the trail is a place that you're going to be able to easily train yourself to use uh, nose breathing all the time for everything. Right. So, well, then how do we use it uh, effectively? And so for me, I try to use it, make sure that I'm using nose breathing at my easier effort level. So if I'm on like a relatively flat, easy piece of single track or whatever, or, or road or, or, you know, I'm on, you know, just cruising along, then I'm trying to 
breathe in and out through my nose. Okay, so if it's an easy effort level, I'm breathing in and out through my nose. I'm trying to at least breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth at moderate levels. And then the other thing that I do is after a hard effort, I try to downshift my breathing and get back to like nose, nose, you know, in through the nose and out through the nose and calm my breathing down after a hard effort level. You know, so after a hard climb, I'm trying to downshift my breathing from the like, right to like, and finally, right? So get to that nose breathing and use that to help you recover from your hard efforts. And so again, there are ways to use nose breathing on the trail without having to rely on it uh, <clears throat> exclusively. So again, I'll, uh, I'll include a, a link to this study with the, with the notes. And when I, I do a post on this, so you can, you know, check it out yourself, but you know, I always encourage people to do that, right? Like that's, you can read the conclusions from a study and then go in there sometimes and look at like what they actually looked at and what they found and kind of scratch your head as to like, wait a minute, why did they draw that conclusion there? Like there's either more to this or, you know, whatever, but you know, it's always fun for me to go in and, and dig into like what the actual studies say, right? They always have that little abstract. that's like, you know, the, the paragraph, uh, summary of what a study, you know, what happened and then what their conclusion was. And those are great, right? Like I can, you can definitely get a lot of information from those, but it's fun to dig into the study itself sometimes and take a look at what exactly were they doing? And then like Google a term and figure out like, what the hell is this mean ventilatory, you know, thing. And, and so it's, uh, but anyways, that's also what you guys got me here for. I'm going to keep digging into these things and, and sharing more of them with you guys. And so, uh, yeah, if you guys got any questions on this, let me know. Remember the better breathing program, you can check it out at bitejames.com forward slash better breathing program. And it is a, uh, you know, a program designed specifically for mountain bikers to introduce you to better breathing habits, give you drills and workouts that will help you improve your CO2 tolerance, make you a better, you know, nose breather, just teach you how to use your breathing more efficiently and effectively and, uh, you know, really improve your performance and your health and your mindset. And, and, you know, the breathing has a lot, uh, to offer us. And so anyways, hopefully the study here gives you some, uh, some food for thought, maybe some motivation to explore nose breathing more and see what it can do for you. But, uh, yeah, until next time, it's been James Wilson. You can check me out at bikejames.com and I'll talk to everybody next time.